Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. I will live my high forest to worship you, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow.
shield of protection, our portion of what we need in our bodies and our souls and our minds. You're ever present with us. You may be seated. Which kind of segues nicely into uh, another worship song for us this morning.
Christ alone, Lord. I guess we're all being still and knowing that he is God. We're here to worship him. We've been in a series on theology. We've talked about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, revelation and creation. And um, Last week we talked about the Bible. And this morning I want to talk about the church. Sermons entitled, Let's Go to Church. For what that means to different people, Romans 12 verses 3 through 8 is a description of the body of Christ. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I bid every one among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. He who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy. With cheerfulness. The body of Christ is a functioning, active body with many members, and each member having a different responsibility. Let's talk about the church this morning. 
Let's pray. Father, teach us about the church, the, the body of Christ, that you said that you would build, and upon this rock, your church would be established, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know its foundation is secure in Jesus, and we know its future is established because even the gates of hell cannot stand against it. So let the church go forth and help us be faithful members of that body, serving you faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I know when I use the word church, a lot of different ideas come to mind about what you might think it is. Some people think it's, it's the building. Some people think of church as the local congregation or, or even the universal church, which is followers of Jesus all over the world. What should we mean when we say church? I have an outline in your worship bulletin, and I guess first and foremost, when you say church, most people will think of a building. You ask any child going by a building with a steeple or stained glass windows what that is, and they will say what? That's a church. That's a church. That's just what we come to understand and know. And if you look back through the pages of Scripture, you'll see that buildings have always played an important role in the life of God's people. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, even when the children of Israel were wandering around in the wilderness, they had a place called the Tent of Meeting, which was kind of a portable holy place. It was a place where the children of Israel could see God as residing and where they could come and worship Him. And that Tent of Meeting kind of became the the foundation for later the temple in Jerusalem and the synagogues when the Jews were dispersed and even the churches of Christians today. Those churches today you see all over the world. They are as grand as the cathedrals in Europe. Uh, We were there in England about four or five years ago and there was scaffolding outside one of the cathedrals. And I was, they, had, they were giving tours and that kind of thing. And I said, how long has this church been under construction? And the tour guy said, 150 years. How would you like to be on that building committee? I guess it just goes from one generation to another. So there's the grand cathedrals in Europe, and then you have the humble adobe huts in Africa. I used to think that Big church buildings were a waste of good resources. I remember I was in seminary when Robert Schuller uh, completed the Crystal Cathedral out in Garden Grove, California, $18 million. There was a lot of controversy about that. How could that $18 million have been spent, spent elsewhere and used to help poor people, used to feed and, and clothe people? And, and there was a lot of conversation about that. But let me tell you, that amount of money is not a drop in the bucket to those cathedrals in Europe that I was talking about. And, and how, how could that money have been used to, to feed people and to help poor people in that area instead of constructing a, a cathedral? But I tell you, if you ever walk in a cathedral, you'll get an answer to that. Because immediately you're overwhelmed with a sense of awe and majesty and power as you trace the arches, much like this, this sanctuary, and, and, and just are inspired not only by the presence of God, but by the faithfulness of the generations of people who sacrificed to make that edifice 
a possibility. And as I thought about that, don't you think that the people who built this sanctuary 50 years ago felt the same desire to honor God with their best, something that would last from one generation to the next and be a reminder of the faith of that generation that built this sanctuary and their willingness to sacrifice for generations to come. We've just completed a pretty extensive expansion and renovation, and people have asked me, why now? Why this money? And, and the answers are pretty simple. First of all, because we felt like God led us to, to accommodate the people who were coming to hear about Jesus, as important as that was. Were the buildings extravagant? No, because we wanted them to fit in with the architecture of the existing facility. So we couldn't just put up a, a metal building with a brick facade or something like that to save money and, and detract from the, the beauty of our facilities. So we've not been extravagant, and these buildings are being used. Now critics, or cynics even, may argue, well, why go to this much trouble to build buildings? Doesn't it say that God does not dwell in structures made with human hands? It does say that. Acts 17, 24, Paul is preaching in Athens, and he's noticed all these buildings and temples, and he tells them that God does not dwell in buildings made with human hands. But let me tell you, a building is not to help God be present with us. Because God is just as present with you at at Tip County High School or at Walmart or in the restaurant or anywhere else as he is right here in the sanctuary. God is everywhere. So a sanctuary isn't built to help God be present with us, but to help us be present with God. You see, I have people tell me all the time that I can worship God on the golf course or fishing at the lake. And and that's true. God's there. But now you've got to be honest with me. Are you telling me that you're focusing on God when you're lining up a six-inch putt? Are Are you really concentrating on God when your cork is going under and bobbing? I don't think so. And so we build a sanctuary to minimize distractions. So when we come in here, we can worship God. Hoping, expecting, struggling, listening. These buildings are here not because of what they mean to God, but because of what they mean to us as we seek to come to know Him. So that's why buildings are identified as the church. But we also want folks to see that the church is more than a building because Actually, in the New Testament, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia, and it comes from two words, ek and kaleo. Ek means out of, kaleo means to call. So the church are the peop- is the people who are called out. Called out from what? Called out from the world to live a different way of life. The church is the body of Christ called out from the world to live a different way of life. The foundation for our life is the Ten Commandments, and over and over again, there have been examples that have shown what happens when folks live in accordance with God's Word and His instructions, and what happens when they choose not to. There's a school out of Jackson, Mississippi, called Piney Woods School. And and what it has done is, is not taking kids out of the ghetto to set them straight, but it's it's folks from the inner city of Jackson, Mississippi, 
and actually all over the United States and all over the world who've come because they want to have some order in their lives and some love. And that school is an example of what can happen when children are given rules and responsibilities and obligations and tempered that with love. Because as a result of of that student body, 90%, I was looking at Piney Wood School on the internet this week, 90% of those students who would probably have ended up in prison are now in college. Because that faculty and that staff use the example of the Ten Commandments of responsibilities and obligations and rules and tempered with love. It's just a lesson of what can happen when people abide by the order God gives and express the love he intended. We are the people of God called out from the world. Now, some folks will, will argue, why go to church? It's just a bunch of hypocrites. Have you heard that before? You probably will. And it's true. <laughs> None of us, you know, they say, well, you know, I see them sin all week long. They, they mess up, but then they go into the church on Sunday and try to act like saints. Well, none of us have gotten our lives up to perfection, right? And so that's why we keep coming back Sunday after Sunday to be reminded of what God expects of his children. He has a standard that he wants us to live up to. And he's not going to lower that standard and he's not going to stop loving us. But we keep coming back to hear that standard, to hear his expectations because we know we are sinners. But we believe in forgiveness and the opportunity to start over again. So that's why we come to church. Not because we're hypocrites, but because we know we're sinners And we stand in constant need of God's grace. So the church is a building. The church is a people of God. Finally, the church is the body of Christ. And and, and Paul explains what that body of Christ means in a lot of different places. But most simply, it just means that we are to exist in the world and do the things that Jesus did when he was in the world in human form. We are to be his arms and body and legs and feet and hands to do his work. We are his body functioning in the world to do everything that he did. Sharing the gospel, feeding the hungry, ministering to those who are hurting, having compassion on those who are struggling. Everything that Jesus did, the body of Christ in the world today is to continue. We are to report, it's kind of like we are in God's army, and we are to report for duty, because everything you do in God's army, in his name, matters, and it makes a big difference. I read of a a cattle ranch out west, and and probably the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal is a a takeoff on that that cattle ranch. There's There's a cowboy ranch out west that functions exactly like cowboy ranches did a hundred years ago, and they let people from the city come and work that ranch for a week just to kind of get an experience to see what it's like. What's interesting is that every morning, all the horses come out of the barn and they line up along a fence. 
And those city slickers come along and they pick which mount they want to ride for that day. And those horses are so smart, they come out and they line up shoulder to shoulder, most of them in the same location that they were the previous day. And the interesting thing is, is those horses want to get picked because if they don't, they go back to the barn and those horses want to work. Those horses love being out doing the things that horses do. And I I read that story and I thought, you know, it's a a lot like that in the church. We come out. And we line up for duty. And not everybody's going to be picked to be a pastor or a committee chairman or a deacon but, but, or even someone who works in the nursery or someone who works in the kitchen. But God has a responsibility for everybody. And if we don't get picked that day to serve, then maybe the next Sunday we will. But there is a place for everybody and a responsibility for everybody. And we're really... Struggling right now, Sabina will tell you in our children's ministry to find folks who will, who will work in the nursery and who will work in extension and who will work on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning to help with the, the children who are coming to hear about Jesus. I think if uh, a history of the church is ever going to be written, one of the most interesting chapters is going to be how ordinary people like you and I answered the call to God's duty and responded and were willing to do something in service. Our willingness to report for duty strengthens the body, and if any part of the body fails to function, then that body is weakened significantly. It breaks my heart to see churches that once were thriving and vibrant and are now closed. Have you ever ridden by in the country and seen a church with the vines growing up around it or the doors padlocked or something like that where a community once supported that church but, but maybe they've moved away and maybe the young people are gone and, and, and the, the older people just couldn't keep it going and now it's closed up. I read a story about a, a soldier in, in the war and he was serving in Eastern Europe and he was so taken by a village and a church that when the war was over, over he wanted to take his wife back over to see it and visit it and experience it the way he did. When he got back a couple years later to that little quaint village in that beautiful church in Eastern Europe, the church was gone. And the soldier said, what happened? He's one of the, the townspeople, what happened to the church? And they said, well, people kind of quit coming, so we just took the stones from the church and used them on our farms. And I read that story, and I, you know, I think the, the soldier said, well, I guess... If you're not using the church, that's all it's good for then. How sad that a church just disintegrates because the body of Christ quit serving and quit functioning. Just like exercise keeps the body strong, so all of us who serve have a responsibility to do our job to help the body function the way it ought to be. So the church is a building. It's the body of of people around the world called out to serve and follow Jesus. It's the body of Christ that continue to do the things that Jesus did when he was in the world in the flesh. Overall, it's God's spirit working in us and through us to accomplish his purposes because if God's spirit were not with us, then, then nothing would happen. And then the church would cease to exist. So 
Let's remember that everything good that happens is because God is working in us and among us and through us. There's a story about a a University of, of Chicago professor who used to love to have his little preschool granddaughter come and visit him. And there's an image of this this grandfather and his daughter walking across campus at the University of Chicago holding hands that the the faculty members and the students grew accustomed to seeing. One day, the little girl came, and instead of holding hands, the father lifted her up on his shoulders. And they were walking across the campus, and they encountered another professor who said, My goodness, just look at how you've grown since last week, seeing her on top of her grandfather's shoulders. And she looked down at that professor and said, not all of this is me. And that's the way it is in the church. If people see our church and see what we're doing in the ministries and the opportunities and the service in the community, let's remember that not all of this is we. All of this that is happening is God working through us as the body of Christ and to the extent that we allow him to flow in us and fill us and through us to accomplish his purposes in the world. To that extent, the gospel will go forth and God's name will be proclaimed and people will come to the cross to hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. Because the church is a building, the church is a people. The church is a body. The New Testament talks about the church in so many different ways. But if we understand that we are part of that body and that the way we function and serve helps the body, then we'll all have a responsibility and we'll all find joy that comes from functioning the way the body should. Let's bow together. Father, I thank you for this great church and its 125-year history of folks that have come and served and read the Bible and taught Sunday school and worked in back areas that no one ever saw except you. I thank you that today there are folks in the nursery and folks getting ready to welcome members into Sunday school classes. And that we are here worshiping you as the body of Christ in this beautiful edifice that was constructed 50 years ago as a step of faith by folks when money was as tight then as it is today. And yet they had a vision to reach this community and the world for Jesus to be a a place to train new followers of Jesus Christ and send them out to tell others. Father, even this generation has answered the call and provided buildings and expanded facilities to reach additional folks who can come and hear the good news of Jesus. So help us continue to be faithful, not just with our finances, but with our time and our talent and our ideas and our resources that can be combined with those of others to accomplish great things 
for your kingdom. You have gifted every person here so wonderfully. Show each of us, Lord, how we can use those gifts in the best possible way for your kingdom and your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to give an invitation. Part of being the church is worshiping and giving and responding to God's call upon your life. If you need to respond today, professing your faith, rededicating your life, or joining this fellowship, I'll be at the front to receive you. You stand and come as God leads you, and we will welcome you with open arms. Let's stand together.